and I, that people needed me, and things were depending on me. And, you know, I was just sitting there in my house on crutches, and I could do nothing but pray. And I did a few things over the phone, and some people came to me, and lots of people come pray, pray for me. But I'll tell you something, everything got done. Nothing suffered at all. Oh, so it's not about me, <laughs> right? Let's try that experiment. Emotional numbness. Stop feeling things. You're not feeling emotional. Uh, you, you're not feeling good or bad emotion. You just kind of stop connecting to people emotionally. You're listening to them. They're wrecked, and you're feeling absolutely nothing. There's no empathy. I think that's a really good sign. Escapist behaviors. And that's kind of like caving into, you know, maybe compulsive things that maybe make us feel better, uh, eating or drinking or secret pornography, television, movies, um, evading people, uh, hiding from people, no energy to choose life-giving activities like exercise or social events with friends. Um, I think we all have places we go to escape. And we just have to be honest about what that means. Disconnected with our identity and calling. We're kind of going through the motions of ministry, um, feeling really overwhelmed by people's expectations of us and their demands. Um, not, not able to attend to our human needs. We don't have time to tend to things like sleep or eating right or exercise or going to the doctor or having a planned minor surgery or getting a colonoscopy because you have to stay at home, uh, you know, you know if you've had one. And so we just keep putting those things off. Um, that can be a sign that we need to just stop and, and there needs to be attention paid to that stuff. Hoarding energy. This is something that I find I do when I get, um, when things get out of whack for me as the leader. Becoming overly protective. Inner feeling of always feeling threatened, like we're being exposed, or reclusive in our attempt to hoard the little energy resources that we have left. Uh, you know, a month and a half ago, I can remember thinking, oh, I don't want to go in this meeting because somebody's going to surely ask me to do something and I don't, I don't have anything left to give. You know, so that sort of dread that you just are, you have to be protective. Or sometimes, you know, if I'm, this is how I know I'm just having too busy of a day and it's not good for me is, I think to myself, well, shoot, if I get up out of my office, and in our church there's quite a bit of activity day and night going on, there's always people in our lobby and coffee bar area, and if I get up and go to the bathroom, I'm going to have to walk through there, and surely someone's going to, it's not going to be just hello, they're going to make me stop, and so I'm just not going to the bathroom. And so I get to the end of the day, I'm like, I haven't gone to the bathroom all day, I'm dying, you know? And it's just because I dis I'm protecting myself from having to have a conversation. I want a little potty in my office. <laughs> but I'm just hoarding my energy because I feel like I'm not sure that, I don't know who's gonna be around the corner when I walk out the office door and I don't know if I have enough energy for them. So. Um, there's no secret back corridor that gets me where I need to go. Slippage or uh, lapse in our spiritual practices, even though we know that they're good for us, kind of we let that life-giving 
the discipline, the thing that we, we've loved, we long for, we let it just slip away. And we start to use, you hear me on this, we start to use God and the Bible for ministry. But no longer know how to enjoy him or be with him personally because we just lack the energy and the will. And, um, and what happens, we just get more guilty and more depleted. Those are all some significant signs. We all must learn the lesson that to be human is to have limits. And some of the best material that I've read on this has really helped people that, um, you know, most of the people, a lot of people that struggle with this is, are people who are super hardworking uh, or they're really in a big performance trap where they've been doing this since in their family since they were a child. Uh, and this resource, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, has some great stuff on limits that has been really, really helpful. There's a workbook that goes with it, and, and I've, we've taken people through that, and it has changed their, uh, the course of their life, I think, when it comes to the limit, the whole thing of limits. In the book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, Barton says, all good leaders must eventually face this reality or they will break themselves against an immovable wall. There are physical limits of time and space and strength and energy. There are limits to our relational capacity depending on our personality type. There are limits associated with particular seasons of my life. There are limits of each specific community and each church and each specific set of relationships. There are limits of this calling that God has placed on my life, which means I'm not gonna be available for other callings. Limits, this is just so, it's a real biblical principle. Second Corinthians 10, 13 through 15, we see Paul, he's talking about the danger of comparing ourselves to other people and to other people's accomplishments, which is one of the reasons why we don't put limits on ourselves. Because we look at other people and we go, well, I gotta keep up or I gotta, you know, we're comparing ourselves to other people. But he says this, we, however, will not boast beyond limits, but we'll keep within the limits that God has assigned to us to reach out even as far as you. For we were not overstepping our limits when we reached you. We do not boast beyond limits that is in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our sphere of action among you may be greatly enlarged. Paul uses the word limits four times in a few verses. And he seemed to be very aware of the limits and boundaries of his calling. And in 2 Corinthians 4, he talks about what it's like to carry the treasure of ministry in our earthen vessels, in our fragile earthen vessels. So we have to be willing to live, you know, within the limits and the possibilities of, of who we really are. And they change depending on our responsibilities and gifts and so our willingness to live within limits, both personally and in community, I think is probably one of the deepest sources of depletion and eventual burnout, which is, of course, not where we want to go. So am I honoring God? Like with the life that I've been given, life in the body at this age, at this stage, life in my family at, at its age, at its stage, Life in this personality, because our personalities give us different limits. Some people are like, I'm sick of all you guys in this room. I can't wait to get in my car alone and drive home because I'm an introvert, right? And other people are like, party, after party, where's the after party, right? It's different personalities. 
Life with this community, life in the midst of this calling, there's limits, limits, limits. And then our last question is, am I still growing in my gifts? And, you know, one of the things that I think, um, this is a real short one, but one of the things I think that helps me is to give a review, walk with the Lord and have him review with me my gifts and even my top gifts and even my latent gifts and the things he wants to grow. Uh, because I think that everybody has unique spiritual gifts and then we all have a whole bunch more that we're not really using. And so if you have a conversation with the Lord about the latent gifts, they're in you, but you just haven't had opportunity, you just haven't had healing, or you just haven't had equipping and training so that they can move into mobility in your life, uh, you know, I'm constantly kind of looking at those lists and saying, Lord, why am I not growing this? Why is this buried? Why is it dormant? Why is it latent? And how and what do you want to do so that I can become more gifted in these things that you've obviously given me and want me to be a good steward of? And, uh, and then follow his lead in that. And the Bible says that God's going to hold us accountable. He, he says every leader is accountable for developing the gifts that, that he's given us. That's what stewardship is. And so we're going to stand accountable before God someday. And one of the things he's going to talk to us about is what kind of steward we were over the gifts that he gave us, the person he made us to be. Uh, Dr. Robert Clinton, he wrote this outstanding book, many of you know of it, called The Making of a Leader. And one of his basic ideas, and I, I just, I hear this, and it's like, oh, that sounds so good to me. Uh, he says, one of his main ideas is that the making of a leader is this in lifelong process. It's a lifelong process. And leadership is attained by developing character and gifting over the, the breadth of my life, the whole, the whole thing. And so good, good stewardship for me, and Michael has taught me this in many ways, includes remaining a student and a learner. And, you know, uh, there's some people, I think, that say, wow, you know, this learning thing is crazy and hard and complicated, and before I know it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, God's wanting me to do another thing. And so did you, you know... There, there's sort of a, I, I think maybe a, uh, an attitude of I've, I've, learned, I've learned what I need to know and now, you know, I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life and stay in that place that I'm in because, well, it's functional. And I'm functioning. It gets me a paycheck. Uh, but I think just the desire to learn, reading broadly to learn how to, how to preach better, how to teach better, um, you know, and who are you learning from? Who, who do you call? Who do you ask questions of? You know, just, and part of that is just remaining teachable, keeping your heart you know, teachable. Uh, and so you know, asking people to tell you, you know, can you let me know when I'm off base? We should practice that, saying those words. Can you let me know when I'm off base? Because we're giving people permission to talk to us about our gifts. So let me ask you, um, are you developing and growing in your gifts? Are you like reading everything that you can find and particularly about the gifts that you have? Do you know all the gifts that you have? Are you asking God to increase your gifts? Uh, and, and, and then here's the one thing, taking risks. Taking risks to practice them. Uh, are you taking those risks? Are you taking the opportunity when somebody says, 
hey, we're looking for somebody to do this, and you're thinking, oh, that's something I'm gifted at, but it'll be easier not to. <laughs> and, it's, you know, just we get to a certain age, and sometimes I think we just start saying, well, I'm not, I'm not very good at that. You know, you probably should find someone else. When maybe we have that latent gift, but we just decided we're too lazy to really keep learning and develop it. My favorite thing about moving more and more true to my gifts and growing in the things that God has created me to do is that it brings a lot more fruit, it brings a lot more fun, and a lot more fulfillment, and it relieves me of feeling fatigued and tired. Because part of the reason why we're so tired is we're doing a lot of things that we are not really gifted at, and uh, we're not leaning into the things that we're for. All right, Stephen, why don't you come and uh, lead us in our last exam, and then we have something specific that we think will be helpful for our ministry time today. I probably won't get back up um, again, but I just want to thank you so much for uh, coming this week. It's been entirely joyful. What a pleasure. I'm very excited about um, our region and where we're headed, and uh, I really look forward to just continuing to pray and grow together. Uh, and so bless you guys, and thank you so much for this week. Thank you, Brenda, for your leadership here, um, for sharing your insight into self-leadership. Um, it's been a fantastic week for me as well. I loved, loved being here. So, um, so this will be our uh, final exam in time together. I know some of you are like, yes, and some of you are like, no. And I love all of you. <laughs> That's true, because I've struggled with this stuff too, you know, that's no lie. Um, so the, some of the themes that we've tackled in this reflective time, kind of uh, bouncing out of what, what Brenda's been sharing, you know, we've, uh, I think the, the theme of love, you know, love, um, humility, um, kind of self-discipline, self-control last night, and, and today to kind of bring it all together and, and kind of reflect on what Brenda said, um, I think we're going to focus on uh, integrity. Integrity. Um, so for those who need, want or need to follow along. So let me remind you again. So we were like postured forward, listening, right, engaging with Brenda. And we want to like relax, sit back. Um, our posture is receptive. It's relaxed. We want to engage with the Lord here deeply. Uh, and we'll be in Matthew 5. Um, and we'll be in verses 33 through 37. So again, I'll read it through. I'll have a comment or two, and then I'll read it through again. We'll have some, t some silence just to like sit with that verse, uh, and then I'll go over the reflection questions, and we'll have some more time just to dialogue with the Lord. <clears throat> so Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no, no, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
nor shall you make any oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is evil. <clears throat> so, good Lord, 21 years ago um, in January, I was um, taking the oath of office as I joined the federal government. Um, and I was obsessed with this the night before. I'm like, well, you know, it should be okay. Like, my yes is yes. I should be yes. I'm a trusted agent of the government, right? You know, I don't, shouldn't have to take this, like, big, long, super oath, you know, to uphold the Constitution and all that good stuff. Um, <clears throat> and so I was like, but, so, you know, and obviously, you know, I'm, ha I'm, you know I'm, I'm new in town. I'm, you know, I'm just starting my career in the government. I'm having a level 10 reaction to a level two event, right? I'm probably extended, like Brenda was saying. Um, but I was like obsessed with this. And then like God just came and released me because um, he said, because um, you know, you know, again, remember, I'm a nerd, right? He's like, so go to the Greek of this. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go to the Greek. So I want to give you my little insight that like saved me because I was really obsessed with like anything other than that is evil, right? Well, you know, that's a, uh, <clears throat> that's a pretty loaded word, right? And so when I think of evil, I think of like wickedness, right? So like anything other than that is wickedness and I don't want to be a part of the no wickedness, right? I got none of that going on in my life. So, but, uh, so I'm reading this at the time as Jesus's uh, statement of judgment, right? When actually, in fact, if you read the Greek, it's just a statement of fact. And the word there for evil in the Greek is poneros, poneros, which we get our word onerous from that, right? So poneros means full of labors and annoyances and hardships. It brings toil. It's kind of a bad move, right? So, like, he's just making a statement of fact. Anything beyond yes, yes, and no, no is, is burdensome, right? No, duh, of course, right? So, like, so that, like, just in that statement kind of freed me from my level 10 reaction to a level 2 event of um, participating in wickedness. <clears throat> All right, so let's read it again, and we'll just have uh, a couple minutes of silence to just kind of make it soak in that. Um, listen to that from the Lord. Um, integrity. Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head. You cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes for yes or no for no. Anything beyond these things is onerous 